Hello there, and welcome to the Kingdom Mentor Podcast, brought to you by iKings Media. This podcast is all about you and your voice, getting unstuck, getting over the drama, the trauma, winning the shame game, and being able to walk in your full identity. So get a cup of coffee and join me or a guest as we help you find your voice, share your voice, and even market your voice. So are you ready? Are you ready to talk about some golf? Yeah, golf. (laughs) No, you haven't pushed play on the wrong podcast, but I'm so glad that you are listening to this episode because I've got something for you that I think might help your soul. You know, our soul is made up of our mind, will, and emotions. Anyway, I'm Teresa Croft. So glad you're with us. I'm host of the Kingdom Mentor Podcast. I'm also a Kingdom Mentor, passionate to help you get unstuck from the mental messes so you can truly find your voice from a foundation of identity. I'm also a media strategist, by the way. I help women grow their brand online with the care strategy. But I want to share this episode with you and share a part of my journey in golf to set up sharing something that I help, I think will really manage the soul part where it's the mental state. And I want love to share this as a way to you to find a rhythm in any mental issues that you may have. Mental, I mean, stress, anxiety, all those things that just want to attack our brain, attack our mind, and set us off on a course that is anything but beautiful. But I'd like to share a little bit about my story. What I want to do is just really talk about golf, hence the golf ball. No, I'm talking about a golf because... Uh, sometimes sharing your own journey is so helpful. And sometimes I want to share my journey to set up these keys that God has let me just download based on golf. But before we do that, and, and by the way, Dr. Leaf, I love that she said this. When people learn how to tell their own story, their lives change They've in ways they never imagined. And I believe in that. You know, I'm always telling you, share your story. Let's, let's share your story. You know me. And I think it's good for you to work on sharing your story because as you share, as you journal, a lot of times the answers come. I could, I could say this is probably, probably so, but let's talk a little golf with you, which is part of my story. And I don't know if I've ever shared it like this. Um, As I grew up during my teens, just having this passion, I had a passion for other sports, but when it was all said and done, it was, uh, it was definitely golf. And I was just like this, mm, I just believed in working hard. I also was a mental mess. <laughs> I can remember getting so nervous before a tournament where I was the only girl. So I was going to win no matter what, but I'd still get all racked up with nerves. And usually after I got through the first hole or if I started playing well, I settled down. Take, take note of that. My performance affected how well I would be mentally. Hmm. I spent many a day and night at the driving range. My idea of fun was getting a huge bucket of range balls and being able to hit balls one after another. And it was interesting when we moved from Yakima to Spokane, one of my main things that my dad was looking for was a home on the golf course and near the golf course. It's just 
take a mental note that. And I knew that he did that. And we lived by an amazing course called the Indian Canyon in Spokane, Washington. If you are from Spokane or that area, you know how famous that golf course is. It is a public course. So I knew that this was a dream come true, but I had some struggles. One of the struggles I had was with my weight. I was probably 30 pounds more than what I am now just metabolism. I don't know what was going on because I'd run two to five miles every day. Listen to this though. So my dad had found a course close to where we lived. I had a weight issue, 30 pounds heavier. So you know what I do? I'd wake up at five 30 in the morning and I would, um, run for two miles. I ran two to five miles almost every day. And then the, the course is still closed. So then I take my shag bag and either go to the driving range or I'd go to the 18th hole and practice my short game, which is chipping and putting. So I was in this reason, this, this motion of trying to be the best. In fact, I had a plaque to be the best. You have to work harder than the rest. So how did this affect me? Wow. So as you see, I grew up with this, how do you call it? This just performance, performance. And I'm, I know much of my striving that I've tried to get over came from this time of relentlessly striving because I, I had two goals to make it on the college with the scholarship and to make it professionally. And I did both of those, but halfway through my senior year, I was an All-American junior. It was halfway during Christmas time. And I was on my way to another All-American year because I was like rated real. I think I was number one in low scores, just doing really well. And I came home at the Christmas break. I was actually went to a Christian conference, came home, knew my dad wasn't doing well because he had cancer and the pneumonia was taking him out. But I came home, landed, and I saw my mom, my brother's family, and a Catholic priest. My dad had died on the way home. I thought I handled it. I mean, I, I gave the one of the eulogies. I had written a letter to my dad on the airplane. You're getting a lot more details. I'd written a letter to dad on the airplane, uh, what I would say to him, not knowing he had passed. And it turned out that was what I read at the eulogy, the letter that I wrote to my dad. Packed out church. I mean, packed out. And me holding it all together, stuff, 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 stuff. So when I got back to school, everyone's thinking, oh, she's handling it so well. But do you know what? When I went back onto the golf course, I had it under control. But when I foot, stepped my foot on the golf course, all those emotions erupted. And I went from an all-American golfer to a shambles. I mean, it was like, what, what happened to T? I remember this. This is just a memory. Uh I would pass to other golf coaches at tournaments and they would always acknowledge me and say something. But when I was in shambles, they would turn their back to me, not even talk to me, or I could hear them. What happened to T? It's really painful, especially if you're performance acceptant. My last golf, my last round as a professional golfer, my dad had been passed for about three years illustrates the total mental mess I was experiencing on the links of a major course, Palm Desert in California. I was qualifying once again for the LPGA. I had a panic attack on the golf course. No, not a good thing. I couldn't even make a putt this long. It's called the yips. Those of you in golf, you know. So I can look back and see this all in a different state. 
I didn't know how to deal with trauma in losing my dad, who was only 48. I was like 22. I often think if I had a so-called mental coach that I might've made it out of the triple A's to the pros. Meaning I was in the triple A's professionally trying to get up to the big legs. I, even though I had completed in three U.S. Women's Opens, which was really an accomplishment, one as an amateur, two as a professional, I still was just, my life was filled with the ups and downs of trying to make it to the big leagues and the downward spiral mentally. But I have no regrets. I don't even play now. <laughs> I don't have any regrets because I don't know if I would have been led to Dave, my husband, and, and had two amazing kids that are now adults. I don't think that would have happened. So I share a story about dreams in my last episode, um, The Sacred Journey of Golf. If you haven't watched that, guys, there's a story inside. It's also on my podcast. Um, if you haven't watched that, uh, do, because um, it is just it's such a breath of fresh air on dreams. So this is the deal. I started to read that again, and then I started listening to it. And there was something that they were talking about. They talked about dreams. Okay. But there was simply uh, in the middle of the book or towards the beginning, the main character was teaching this professional golfer a new way to swing the ball. And I thought this phrase, see it, feel it, trust it. It just, some of you have had one-on-ones with me and I've used it for particularly for you, but it's still ringing in my ear. I like what, and I, it was a phrase that was something that we could say as a realignment, as a neuroplasticity move. I like what Earl, um, Earl Nightingale said, whenever we plant in our minds and nourish with repetition and emotion will one day become a reality. So see it, feel it, trust it. It was ringing in my mind and I knew the Holy Spirit had some things to do with that. I like what Dr. Caroline Leach said. We can't control the events and circumstances of life, but we can learn to control our reactions, which helps us deal with and manage the many challenges we face. So in regards to my early years of mental crashes, I'm having that in the back of my mind because in the middle of a golf book, I'm seeing this phrase, see it, feel it, trust it, write that down, see it, feel it, trust it. Let's, let's talk about see it. Now, the see it is very much a golf thing because when you're a golfer, you stand behind the ball and you visualize where you want the ball to go. And I will add, after 15 years of riding a Harley-Davidson motorcycle, you see where you go. If you want to take a right turn, you don't try to turn your motorcycle. <clears throat> Excuse me. You literally see and you go there. Very challenging, I might add. I have some memories of Dave and I driving to the four corners in the U.S. And we went to this one really windy road, deep down slope, no bar. And I so wanted to see this scenery, but I knew if I did that, anyway, side note. I don't ride motorcycles anymore either, although I'd like to. So see it with your spirit. <clears throat> this is what I mean now. This is we're getting down to it. See it with your spirit. Ask this Holy Spirit to help you see things by the spirit. This is a great way of developing discernment. And I believe you can see it and imagine your life, your acting out away from the mental and the trauma, I believe you can add that to the see it. 
then if God lets you see a person or event, if he lets you see a person and you kind of, you, he lets you see something, maybe a trouble with that person. It's not to spit it out, but it's to pray for him. See it, then feel it. I believe this turn from healing in your chaotic mental mess. A lot of times it's like <clears throat> the reality, go ahead and feel the reality, but don't stay there. I also believe it's a great word for those of you who are prophetic and you may not even realize that you're feeling things prophetically. Go ahead and feel it, but don't carry it. Like an example of this is they will be talking to someone or ministering to someone and uh, he will be seeing them with the eyes of Jesus. And all of a sudden he'll start to cry. And he'll, he, I, I can't tell you how many times he'll say, looking at the person, I feel Papa's love for you. And it's just so amazing. I could say that to you. If we were one-on-one, I, I have said it to you. So feel it and then trust it. Oh, I want to, this probably goes up to the sea, but remember Hebrews 11 verse one. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you're trusting what you see by the Holy Spirit, what you feel prophetically, then you trust it. And you know what trust it's all about? It's about your belief system, believing what God says about you. See it, feel it, trust it. You start your day. What do you see in your mind? What are you feeling? Really good. Let's regather those thoughts and let's analyze them. And then let's give them to God and trust him that we will not let something negative shift our belief system. We will not allow that lie to land inside our heart. We'll make sure our heart's clean. We'll ask God for repentance, forgiveness. So that lie can't lie there. And then we will believe what he says and ask for discernment. That's huge. So this is it. The next step is a Holy Spirit setup. So when a golfer sees it, feels it, and trusts it, then he swings and he releases it. But we're not golfers. So how do you release it? (laughs) Thank you for asking. This is where you become part of the true awakening. You were born to be a carrier of his glory. And you can do something in the midst of the injustice, in the midst of the pain, and the and the damage, you can do something in your world. Your presence, ignited by the God's Holy Spirit, can change atmospheres, shift dark into the light. As you see it, feel it, and trust it, you're giving yourself a place to operate and minister, not out of your pain, but out of the flowing power of God's Spirit in you. Because you're releasing it everywhere you go. You can be, you could release it. In your family, you can release it. In your grocery store, you can release it anywhere. You can release it on a golf course. Just kidding. So do you feel it? Do you see what I'm saying? You release. You see it, feel it, trust it, release. See it, feel it, trust it might be inner work that you do first thing in the morning or as you go out through your day. You know, um, it's so important to be spirit-driven and not fear-driven. So that's why I believe this is so important. I also believe nothing has helped my mental mess than understanding my identity in Jesus Christ. I think you know that. I think many of you are rising up in your identities. You're starting to lead Bible studies. You're starting to be true grit. General's releasing identity truths. You're shifting a whole city by your presence. Um. I want to share something with you. You know, I wrote, and I feel like this is you. You're like becoming the true revivalist as you go through some neuroplasticity, mind management. Dr. Caroline Leaf said, mind management is a skill that needs to be learned, 
used all day long, every day, and constantly upgraded as we grow from childhood into adulthood. For every new experience, we need a new set of mind-managing tools. For every new experience, some of the experiences are painful, but I don't have to go down the hole of darkness in my mind. So my sharing a few words with it as a golfer has translations, translated into a lesson for me and hopefully for you. So this is the deal. I see a day now where you're walking in that revivalist. And it's like, it's this last few words in the Vine Dresser book on <clears throat> you are revivalist, where it says you are the much needed salt for a world that's lost its appetite for a loving meal at the Father's table. You are light to a world who thinks darkness is numble, normal and struggles with enmity and conflict. You are revivalist because you've learned the key to abiding, not striving, to walking in your true identity and to be able to continue to mind manage yourself, see it, feel it, trust it, release. Just something I wanted to share. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode from the Kingdom Mentor Podcast. It would mean a lot if you shared this with a friend or even on Instagram. Tag me so I can thank you. And hey, can you do a real huge favor for me and write a review on Apple's platform? What this does is it helps me spread the message of hope and life in your voice. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you in the next episode.